That's right. That's right. Let's start that over. Join Andrew Wall, Hector Garcia, and Michael Lee. One mission, one rule. Make accounting fun. Friday Night Live with Accountants. Are you ready? One, two, three, pause. Hey, ladies, how you doing? Good. Good, good, good. Thank you, ladies, both for staying up and uh, joining me on this special Friday Night Live. We're going to do uh, a special uh, show tonight um, with my friends and uh, fellow peers in the industry is also two women I highly respect uh, because they both run some awesome, awesome firms that are um, leading the industry. Uh, Brittany Brown of Ledger Gurus and Patty Sharp of Catching Clowns, Clouds. So welcome both of you tonight. And uh, what time is it on your in, in your time zone? Nine thirty in Utah. Yeah. Okay, so you're both at nine thirty. I'm at eleven thirty. So that's great. You both you both ladies stayed up. I'm not sure if I'm past your bedtime yet, but yeah. uh, yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. So, um, so why don't we why don't we kick off with you know everyone knows who I am, but why don't we kick off with just an introduction of yourselves uh, for people who aren't familiar with you? And so why don't we why don't we start off with with Patty? Okay. Um, I am Patty Sharp, CPA and co-founder of Catching Clouds, the leader in e-commerce accounting. Um, I have that memorized because I have a YouTube channel um, that I haven't actually uploaded any videos in for a while because I've been a little bit busy. But um, yeah, we've been doing exclusively e-commerce since 2014. I co-founded the business with my husband, Scott. Um, we speak at conferences and stuff. So many of you probably have seen my face before. Um, let's see, our firm's been around since 2011. We've been e-commerce only since 2014. And that's probably enough. That's great, great. How about you, Brittany? Yeah, and I have to give a shout out to Patty and her videos too. They're a lot of fun. It's a great channel and a lot of great content. So I am Brittany Brown. I'm the, uh, well, founder really. My husband is now our COO, but um, I really founded it without his help. Um, and then he jumped in and Kind of took the credit for everything as he should as have. they do. Yeah. Well, and he That's really what is, men do. That's what men do. Yeah. Well, and he really is the driving force behind all our stability. I'm all the momentum and the enthusiasm. He's all the stability and structure. So it's legit. It's legit. And so uh, we have we started our business about five years ago. Um, I think I mentioned the name Ledger Gurus. We're based out of Utah, but we have um, because of all the all remote workforce, which is the name of the game these days. Uh, we have employees across six states. We have about 45 people. Um, from one side of the country to the other. And we are also e-commerce focused. We've been focused on e-commerce now for about two years and um, just hanging on for dear life in this <laughs> day and age where e-commerce has taken over the world. Like we're just trying to stay relevant and stay on top of stuff. It's pretty intense. Well, That's and I, I, I'll just add that Brittany, are, Brittany and I are kind of buds. Right. Um, she does she does QBO and NetSuite and we do zero. So it's like kind of yeah. a perfect little matching thing going on. There you well, go. We have a lot like, of referrals back and forth there. That's great. <laughs> yeah, Patty and I get along really well and our husbands get along really well. So if we all end up in the same room, we're likely to ignore everybody else there. We really <laughs> do get along quite well. That has happened. Yes. Right. Yes. That's great. That's great. And, and what, what, uh, why don't you tell people on the show, what, um, they're watching the show, what inspired you guys each to get into this specific e-commerce niche? Um, well, for us, when we first started out, um, I mean, we just started out from the ground up. We knew generally what we wanted to do was help small businesses and we knew we wanted to niche in something, but we weren't quite sure what. So we kind of dabbled in a bunch of different things. And we just found that e-commerce was the best fit for us. It was challenging. Scott, Scott is not an accountant um, as much as he likes to play one on TV. He, he's an IT guy. And so he likes the data and the manipulation and the systems working together and all of that. Um, it was really easy to sell. Hmm that work because those those companies they are their business was already in the cloud so back when we were starting everybody was like the cloud so scary i can't put my stuff in the cloud and every all the people who were selling online they're just like that's stupid and it, it was just easier for the way we were working and stuff that's great, so, great. how about how yeah. about you Brittany? 
Yeah, so I, right at the time that I decided to focus on e-commerce, uh, we were right in the throes of what I call like the generalist agony. And what I mean by that is when you are pursuing a bunch of different industries at the same time, you have some industries in which the, like the general accounting services are adequate, things like bookkeeping, bill pay, invoicing, um, payroll. Like when clients just need that basic services, it's pretty great. But when you find yourself dabbling in industries that require um, a lot more specific knowledge and practices and processes and stuff like that. And then you have like client after client after client that introduces you to processes you didn't know about before. And you're dealing with the pain of that learning curve. Mm. It's pretty intense. So um, one of the things I've learned is that if you're going to like, you know, we um, catching clouds and us, we both do primarily um, fixed fee engagements. And if you do a fixed fee engagement and you're bidding an engagement in an industry that you don't know much about because mm. you've never dealt with it before, and you're being surprised by the complexities of what you're running into because you just didn't know. So a perfect example of this is we had a construction company that was doing governmental accounting. And we were like, sure, we'll take all that on. No problem at all, including payroll. And we didn't How hard could it be? Right, right, exactly. Oh, you have 40 employees, no problem. Well, we didn't understand Davis-Bacon payroll, for example. And yeah. so we found ourselves dealing with certified payroll and wow. it was wiping out three-fourths of our budget before we ever even got to anything else because we just didn't know what we didn't know. It's like wow. walking into a dark room full of knives <laughs> And hoping you don't get stabbed to death, right? <laughs> we've all we've never done that. None no, of us have ever. Been none done. of us feel that pain at all. So I was literally at this conference, reeling from the agony of being stabbed two thousand times in the last couple of months. And I was attending this conference where David Leary is talking about like why you should niche and putting mm. up this like this like this thing on the board that's like this stair stuff of like. When you niche, you you learn the complexities and then you have to learn fewer apps and then you can become, and he's like, and then this, and then this, and then this. And it's like, like it was like somebody was saying to me, if you niched, all of your pain would be gone. Now, actually that voice lied to me, but they were, <laughs> David Lurie was not wrong in his understanding of how, um, of how specialization would save us from the stabs in the dark room. At yeah, least, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And we had a couple of e-commerce clients at the time. And one thing I knew about e-commerce for sure was that our dabbling approach to meeting their needs was inadequate. Mm -hmm. And I think it was that same conference that I think I heard Joe Woodard say, if you're going to pick a niche, you should pick a niche where there's a barrier to entry of some kind. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to be like, I'm going to be marketing firms, service-based industries, or I'm going to be law firms. Yeah. You and like everybody else in the industry. Right. So like, <laughs> if you're going to build an entire practice around a niche, you need to pick something that has barriers to entry. Hmm. So I could definitely see the barriers to entry that were there. And I could definitely feel the pain of not niching. And it's like, it all kind of came together. Like, Oh, the angel came down and said, <laughs> you need to niche. And e-commerce is the path to go, right? Like, that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> what does that angel look like? Is it is I it know. an Amazon uh, fairy with wings on it? Like yeah. what? <laughs> that's a much better story than my story. Yeah. <laughs> that's really Brought great. With peril so, and knives and warfare and murder. <laughs> there was drama. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. so you know, Patty, you, you know, you you're, you and Scott's firm, Catching Clouds, is very well known in the industry, both in the zero world and the QuickBooks world. I mean. You're very well known. You, I've seen Scott speak. I've seen your videos. Um, anybody that's dabbled in e-commerce or has tried to train their team, both through legal license and illegal licenses, <laughs> has used <laughs> Catching Clouds videos. And Patty <laughs> and I, I say that jokingly because Patty is such a kind person, right? And um, and reminded me that I was illegally using her license, and I was like somewhat unaware. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, just uh, so you know, yeah. But it was I'm like it's not you, but yeah. Someone because, in your team, you might, but, you know, yeah. But keep because an eye out. Patty of Patty's approach and the way she is, and I was both high, highly respected her, and and I was like, wow, th this lady is really, really cool, and somebody that I, I I'm going to continue to learn from. I'm um, blushing. Yeah, and so, uh, so. Oh, stop it, Mike. Yeah. Stop it, no. <laughs> so knowing, you know, knowing the the expertise you've had and where you've got, um, tell us, tell us what from your perspective is exciting in 2019 going to 2020 about e-commerce right now? What's the exciting thing? You know, every year I'm sure there's something new and exciting. What's the exciting thing now about it? 
I think Brittany has some stats. Oh, I do. Have some stats. <laughs> Did I share my stats now? Yeah, you can share right. stats, yeah. Let me start with the stats. So my COO, who is like Patty's husband, a tech guy uh, historically, which means they're also frankly nerdy, like said totally me, nerdy, totally nerdy, but so lovable. Uh, yeah. Sent me some stats on this. He's like, you really should share these stats. So here's just some stats he said he gave me. Adobe said there's a 19% year-over-year increase in cyber mel and cyber Monday sales. Hmm. Thanksgiving was 4.2 billion dollars in sales. Black Friday was 7.4 billion dollars in sales. Um, Monday was Amazon's biggest shopping day in history this last year. Shopify merchants sold more than 2.9 billion in goods and services between Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and that represents an increase of 61% year over year, up from $1.8 billion last year. So like when it when you talk about the growth of the industry, the numbers cannot be argued with. Well, and I'm like, wow. I was, this is very anecdotal, but I was watching TV today and it was like, there was a Wayfair commercial. And then right after that, there was a minted commercial. And then like two commercials later, there was like an Etsy commercial. I'm like, what the hell? Like, right. I cannot get away from work, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you're just seeing it everywhere, and 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 also I'm noticing as a consumer, and we, you know, reconcile. We do some e-commerce, but we're definitely not as specialized as you guys. Um, and what I'm noticing is, um, from as a consumer, the hottest products are e-commerce brands. Mm -hmm. They're not the brands that they may have a wholesale component. You might be able to find it in a store, but frankly all the hottest items that everybody wants, you can only buy them online or majority of people buy them online. You think of, and then the, 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 the brands that go viral, right? So you think of a Peloton right now, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really, really uh, controversial right now. A lot of conversation about Peloton. Um, Original Grain is a watch I've been following. Movement's another watch, you know, that, that's pretty well known, but Original Grain where it's these, these handmade watches made from um, whiskey and wine barrels. So every watch is unique because it only uses oh, a cool. piece of wood from the barrel. Um, cool. So you're going, wow, these are very unique brands. Mm -hmm. But then um, we have a lot of ad, um, digital marketing agencies that have been serving e-commerce clients and the multiples these e-commerce companies are getting in their sales. Mm -hmm. Now, not all of them, but a lot of them, if they're a solid brand, a solid product and a solid following, the multiples they're getting are, are, almost at software as a service levels. Right. And that is shocking to me. Yeah. Um, and, and also tells us why, why people are so excited to go into it. Um, and, and, and maybe, maybe one way to ask you guys is I feel like we're in the age of brands right now mm -hmm. and, and not huge corporate brands, but these curated specialized brands. What do you guys yeah. think about that? And well, why do you think that's happening? Yeah. Well, I think that, so say, you know, eight years ago or so, Amazon, selling on Amazon was just starting to get mm. some traction and people were setting up stores. There was low competition. Amazon was like, come on in, come on in, come on in. And I, I think that that day has passed. Mm. I think Amazon now is like, thank you very much for coming in. They're like swiping the sales out from under their, their third-party sellers and stuff. And um, they're setting up rules. You know, they'll like, they'll uh, kick somebody off without telling them why they have mm -hmm. one opportunity to defend themselves, even though they haven't been told what they did wrong. And um, you know, good luck to you. And Amazon doesn't care because mm -hmm. there are millions and millions behind them that will sell on, on their site. So um I think online sellers, they need a way to distinguish themselves from their competitors. And I think, um, well, I know even for the last couple of years, it's been a hot topic about, you know, diversifying the platforms that you're selling on. Like if you're Amazon only, and then they shut you down, your whole business is gone mm. overnight. You know, you need to have your own, your own website and your own store and your own branding and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 I always, I always say that dealing with Amazon is like being in an abusive relationship. <laughs> and it was so funny because we, we actually sat down today with a potential partner and what they do is they do, they manage like uh, channel conflict mm -hmm. and listening to him talk about the way that Amazon will literally 
let somebody be a third party seller, but then we'll also buy from them directly as a vendor and undercut the prices of their own vendors on their own website and create all of this channel conflict. And it's, it's so like, it's so abusive really in the way that they deal with their relationships that if a company is selling on Amazon only, the risk and exposure they face of building mm. this whole business and incurring all these costs and, and all of this fixed overhead and then having exactly what Patty just described happen, which is you're off, you're out, you're done. You know, one chance to no due process, nothing, um, no ability to like, you have so little control over your actual destiny that mm -hmm. it's just, gosh, it's frightening really. So becoming a brand where you have more control, you build a website, you drive customers to your website yourself and is, is really a business. If you are, if you're selling on Amazon, you're really um, in, in some ways, little more than a distributor. Mm. It's, it's not until you really get onto your own um, website and you, and you really start to put down stakes with your own customer base that you're driving traffic directly to your website that you really start to build something that has sustainable legs and and reduces the risk of becoming obsolete overnight for no reason at all. Well, and, and something else that I just thought of, um, six months or a year ago, I saw that there was an online on sell, there was an online seller who was sharing a story about how um, they were paying for like sponsored ads on Amazon and their ad popped up. And like, if you go to click on it, an Amazon basics ad for the same product shows up above it on top of it. So they're like paying advertising dollars to have Amazon just swoop right in and take that sale from them. I'm like, oh man, that's just brutal. Wow. Yeah, that's right. terrible. That is really, really bad. <laughs> and so, so what, what for the best customers you have the most successful e-commerce customers, if, you know, of course, almost every successful one, um, you know, there's a few, a few anomalies out there, but a lot of the successful ones, they have some kind of Amazon connection, right? Yeah. What diversification have you seen your best or more successful customers? Is it like a 20, you know, majority on their own site and 25% on the other channels? Is it that Amazon is still a major player and a large number, but they basically plan to break even and, and then the rest is made up, all the profits made up on their own channel. It's like, what's that mix? That you I, I'd say there's no magic mix. Okay. Um, what I would say though, is what you should not do if you're, I, I think a lot of people who are selling online, they'll like start with Amazon and they're like, this is amazing. <laughs> so all I need to do is now be on 17 different channels. Right, right. And so they're on 17 different channels, but they only have like three or four that are, are really producing well. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the successful sellers, they're selling on a combination of three to five, and it might just be, those are the ones that we work with the most or the multi-channel sellers, but I see a whole lot of Amazon, Shopify, eBay. Um, those are the three top ones, Walmart now, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then a smattering of other ones. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things that I would say has been a pattern that I have noticed though, is that our most successful clients, their primary channel is their own website. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why that's true is because the margins are so much better mm -hmm. on their own website and they have so much more control. Um, in fact, I, I didn't, I hadn't really thought about this until I heard this guy talk us through it today, but a lot of times some of the most successful brands that built, that built brands on their own website are only even on Amazon to protect their own, to protect their own brand. Because mm. what will happen is say like Taft shoes, for example, is a super, super expensive shoe. Well, they're not on Amazon, right? So, but when somebody goes on Amazon and they Google and they not Google, but when they search Taft shoes, all of these other brands are coming up and they're buying those brands when what they really wanted was Taft shoes. Oh. So if you even have like four or five products on there that are yours, then you're able to capture these cells that people went there looking for you, but couldn't find you and therefore picked up another brand instead. Um, if they, if they built their, if they built their business primarily on their own website, most of the time, the other channels are supplementary. I mean, mm -hmm. they might have significant revenue, but they're, they're not their primary strategy. And that's what we've really seen with our most successful brands. And, and I think up until the South Dakota versus Wayfair thing happened, 
people were actively not selling on Amazon FBA because they didn't want to have Nexus in all those states where Amazon had warehouses. Now that they've got the economic Nexus thing, everyone's just kind of like, well, I know, whatever. Right. <laughs> Let's right. just go, now, go for it. Yeah. And now that uh, Amazon has like the marketplace facilitator laws, now everybody's like, Amazon! Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. You know, like now they all love Amazon again. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a changing landscape. To that point, yeah. it is such a changing landscape every day, all the time, in every way. Um, I, have a, I have a cousin who does marketing for e-commerce businesses, and she has to pivot her core business every six months just to stay wow. relevant. It's like wow. exhausting to watch the effort she goes, she has to go into to stay relevant. And, you know, on the accounting side as well, yeah. you know, we build a whole, we build a whole sales tax practice to support Amazon sales. And then suddenly marketplace facilitator wipes out, um, wipes out us even needing to support Amazon sales wow. tax. So like what we were telling people six months ago about FBA and how it's giving you nexus everywhere is now like a completely different conversation than the one that happened six months ago. So wow. It's, it's not for the, I would say this, like for people who want to get into e-commerce accounting, like people who want to support e-commerce, it's not for those who want to get into something, settle in, get comfortable and write it out. It is a pivot. It, it's fraught with it is after knives and murder and, and war. You know what I mean? Mayhem. And Mayhem. And <laughs> angels and, <laughs> and demons as well. <laughs> That's right. That's, that's really, really, really cool. So, so um, you guys are obviously very passionate about this, this industry and about what's happening. Um, are, 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 are either of you working with clients that are also doing wholesale as well and, and selling the products through retail stores and, and, and handling yeah. that as well? Yeah. 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 That's really what, where do you see, uh, where do you see wholesale as a good strategy for an e-commerce uh a client and where do you see it as not working for, for e-commerce? So one of the things I had never before considered is that as soon as you get into the retail or the wholesale space, meaning you're selling to somebody who's then reselling your product mm-hmm. and they're not an online channel, you are on Amazon because if you take your product and mm. you sell it to somebody, you can't control where they then take that product and try to sell it. And so as soon as you start to get into wholesale and retail, uh, you lose control to some degree. And one of the ways that you lose control is you lose control over what they call um, um, MAP, which I think stands for the minimum agreed upon price or manufacturer's uh, suggested price. Like as a manufacturer or as a brand, you should be able to communicate with people and say, you cannot sell my product for less than this price. But that's not always honored. And one of the worst places you find it not honored is on Amazon. So if you have several companies that you've sold your product to, and now they're listing them on Amazon, and now it's a price war on Amazon, and and the first person that like breaches the the map pricing, then starts this like system effect where everybody starts breaching the map pricing. And now the price on your website is undercut by the Amazon people, because you've lost control of you've lost control of the pricing. And like it, 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 so there's, it's great because it's additional channel. And anytime you have an additional channel, the, there's opportunity for additional sales. But as soon as you, as soon as you give your product to somebody else, you don't have control at that point of, of how they, um, or you, you can put it in contract, but it's hard. It can be hard to enforce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have control at that point of how they take your product to market and therefore how they price it. And, and so maybe you have a Lego kit or whatever, and you have it in, you have it on your website and you're selling it. And now people are able to get on Amazon and say, what, where can I find this product cheaper? And Amazon will show you the listing of all of those wholesale relationships that now have your product and, and are dishonoring your map pricing. So um, it's definitely, there's pros and cons to, to diving into the wholesale world. That makes a lot of sense. Patty, Patty, you, you see anything else around wholesale that are strategies that your successful e-commerce sellers versus your, the unsuccessful ones. And so <laughs> here's the thing. Scott is the one who like talks to the sellers all day, every day. And I'm like behind the scenes yeah. being like Brittany, Steven, keeping the wheels on the bus and making sure things are going and things work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So as far as strategy and stuff, <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Well, I, I always find it, I always find it, um, I always find it difficult for, I see it's difficult for e-commerce brands that are already doing wholesale to leave it. It's almost like they're addicted. Right. They're addicted to unify. They're addicted to some major distributor. Yeah. And they can't quite cut it off, even though they're either losing money or barely making money. Right. You know, um, in our in our experience, our our clients, it's just another channel. It's another mm-hmm. way of making money. And as long as their revenue is higher than their cost of goods sold, right. It's yeah. all good. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. They see it almost like uh, on sometimes some of these channels even if they're breaking money, losing money, they're looking at it as advertising costs, right? We have more right. money um, going out there and our products getting more exposure. And so we're out, we're out there on these channels. So you're, you're saying that Amazon, Shopify, their, their own website on Shopify, as well as, as eBay seem to be the top three. And then Walmart now, the top kind of three to four exp- uh, places. Are you seeing any new channels that are kind of up and coming? Um, there are that- always new channels, but... Oh. Um- I, I think Walmart has in the last just couple of years, like it used to be one or two of our clients had it. Now almost all of them have it. Wow. So you see them go through cycles, um, but nothing's really jumping out. Uh, I, I've started seeing a lot of Google Express lately. Mm. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Google Brittany. Express. Um, yeah. A few of those. Interesting. But Yeah. I don't know. There, there. I mean, we've we've run into over the years probably twenty five different channels. Yeah, but you know what's funny is to a point that Patty made earlier. You have these clients that are like on fifteen channels, Mm -hmm. but I don't have a single client that I'm aware of where more than two percent of their sales are not on Amazon, their website, or wholesale. Like all of these other channels that they're selling on tend to be so small and inconsequential that, in my opinion, it's like. Man, is it oh. really worth the time and effort you're right. putting? You know what we do? We we encourage them to focus by charging them per channel. Yeah, right. Yeah. And if the more of a pain in the butt the channel is, the higher the price is. Yep. And we're like, well, you made fifty dollars last month, and we're going to charge you, I don't know, three hundred dollars for right. that channel. Right. So, would you like to keep it? Because we are happy to go change our scope. Right. And yeah, they're like, correct. No, let's cancel it. We do the same thing with like the payment processors. We'll be like, good job. You give your, you give your customers eight payment processor options at checkout. Good for you. Do you have any idea how much that's costing you? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really, really, really funny. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, what, what is, what are the, um, what are the industries in e-commerce, the specific kinds of products that you guys find the most fascinating what's like or that you're following right now um is it in sports is it in sport apparel is it in we have, food is it you know what what's what are those industries that you guys are like wow this is, is really cool and i'm really excited about it we have so much like baby products and i think it's because we're in utah <laughs> and there are so many up-and-coming businesses in utah e-commerce businesses that sell products that are focused on baby or mommy, That's so funny. Mommy, you know, so many. So we have definitely, I would say at least 30% of our e-commerce clients are around baby products. Okay. We, we tend to have a lot of health and wellness, like lots of oh. nutritional supplements and, yeah. you know, just things that make your life better and things like, like yeah. snake oil. I mean, fish oil. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we, we, often have our clients, um, we do a raffle uh, at year end, like with where we do like a drawing for our employees and give out products from our various uh, um, e-commerce clients. And this year, the feedback we had was where the heck are the men products? Like all of our products were like blankets, shirts, (laughs) baby equipment, diaper bags. And they're like, what are you doing? Like we're sporting goods next year. In fact, (laughs) our, our male employees were like, we have a directive to next year at least half of our clients have to come from sporting good companies. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Right. <laughs> well, this is this past week, I think, um, has been, I guess you can call it almost like cyber week, right? Starting from yeah. last Friday, which is Black Friday, which really no long it really it's underwhelming now because it's like Black Friday, Cyber Monday from a consumer experience perspective. But yeah. the numbers don't lie, right? Obviously the numbers are still there, they're still growing. 
tell, tell us about the impact uh, of, of these, the past week, the, the days in the past week. Tell us about the impact they have in the e-commerce niche um, and also the impact on your work as well. I'd love to hear, I think accountants listening would love to hear that as well. So let me, let me answer this one. So the impact on our work is uh, minimal. Okay. The, the only thing that really goes up is like number of purchase orders and things like that, like the bills that we're processing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as sales, because we record things in a batch method, it doesn't matter if there are five sales or 5 million sales. Well, it might matter if it's 5 million, but you know, <laughs> but 50,000, like it's the same work either way. From our client's perspective, um, they often, they have to hire extra people around mm-hmm. the holidays for fulfillment purposes and things like that. They're like losing their minds. They're like super busy. They're dealing with returns. They're dealing with fulfilling orders. They're making sure that everything stays turned on, that the sales keep going. They're like running sales and coupons and things like that. So it's, this is definitely their busy season. And it's kind of exciting and it's kind of fun because like we have, I have a couple of clients that I, that I text regularly through Black Friday and Cyber Monday for updates because it's so exciting. Like it's such a, like we had one client that sold 7,000 orders on Black Friday alone. And so like, it's so exciting. They're like, we just hit six figures in like the first four hours of Black Friday. Like it, they're so the, the momentum, the enthusiasm, the excitement that they're experiencing, the stars in their eyes. It's, it's really fun. The momentum around and the energy around being an e-commerce service provider during this period of time when our clients are just like, experiencing just a surge in their cells is really exciting. Yeah. But to Patty's point, yeah, be, if we were trying to do things like on an individual basis, we'd be losing our minds right now. <laughs> yeah. This, this yeah. really speaks to the value of the, the batch accounting is that congratulations to you. Our processes look exactly the same, you know? Yeah. And we're, <laughs> we're like sending out n- newsletters, like, Hey, let's get ready for the end of the year tax prep and all that stuff. <laughs> so we can get your books closed. I bet like, you're like, (laughs) delete. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not even opening that. That's so funny. We did that that last year too. We sent that one out this year. We're like, raw, raw, raw. You know, (laughs) we're We're doing it anyway because we need to get shit done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, no, that's fine. (laughs) It's not a a child-friendly show. And and frankly, most children aren't listening to accountants on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, most accountants aren't listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising. It's surprising the amount of views and listeners we get over the weekend. And then we upload it on Monday on podcasts. Oh, yeah. And so it's been, it's been fun. Um, what now do you guys think it's a necessity um, this in, in this business? Do you think it's a necessity for an e-commerce brand to participate from a discounting or pricing perspective on Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Or do you, have you seen brands do well who just say, you know what, we're going to sell really a nominal sale, but really, really going to kind of like market it or advertise it as Black Friday. We're just going to, but we're going to keep our pricing pretty st- stable. Um, so what, what do you guys think? Where do you, and where do you, where have you seen the most successful e-commerce companies land? Is it like, no, you got to go all in and you got to do some discounts and get them in the door. Or is it that people are in a shopping frenzy that day anyways, and they're just buying regardless of really what the discount is? Um, Yeah, I'm not an expert on pricing strategy, Um, but I I have to think that there's just fallout. Like whether you're discounting your stuff or not, your sales are going up. Mm. Yeah, is my personal opinion, but this is not my area. Increasing marketing dollars this time of year. Yeah. I don't yeah, know about definitely. you guys, but I can like ignore billboards all day long and, yep. and commercials on TV. I barely notice, but like scrolling through my Facebook, if there's a gadget, oh, yeah. I suddenly need it. And I didn't even know <laughs> like 10 seconds ago. Right. Probably. I definitely see an increase in, in advertising this time of year. And yeah, I don't, I, I, I probably should know more about pricing strategies. Um, but I, I frankly don't know. Ask, ask me again next year. Yeah, that's right. Next year we'll be experts on that. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I, I'm realized in the past two weeks, and, and even this week, like, I've noticed I've clicked on more CNET top ten 
tech items you need yeah. under $100 or top totally. 20 things you need. I've clicked on those. I've, I've clicked on the clickbait, you know? Oh. And I'm like, so fascinated by it. Now I end up not usually not buying anything. <laughs> I just, right. but I'm so fascinated by the article. Like, wait, yeah, I do need a new case for my phone. <laughs> you know, like, you know, yeah. I buy, not only do I buy it, I buy multiple of them. Cause this time of year, I'm like, oh, we don't have client gifts yet. And I get a much better price on this. If I buy it in quantities of 10, <laughs> right. like last year, I bought this thing that like massages your neck and it looks yeah. comfy and great on the yeah. videos. And they were like, <laughs> But, and I bought like 10 of them thinking I was going to like, what was I even going to do with 10 of them? <laughs> Give them to your like 40 some employees. <laughs> One for each toe. But they weren't, they weren't even comfortable after they came. I was like, this thing's horrible. Like it's pulling out my hair and it's giving me a backache. So like, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker. I'm a yeah. sucker. My husband's probably listening to this right now. Honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Really, I am. Please forgive me for the way that I clickbait on Facebook. I should not be allowed to Facebook unsupervised. I think I'm like halfway between the two of you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, those, moderation. those, those t- top 10 tips or whatever top 10 products, those, those get oh, yeah. me. It's really, really funny. Um, what, so let's, let's put, put aside e-commerce, you know, I want, I, I want to hear about you two as, as, um, female firm owners, you know, in the industry, um, you're trying to pioneer something. I, I run across a lot of innovative male firm owners. Um, and, but I think I also, because of my intentionality with my firm on, on diversifying our, our employees and really making sure that, uh, frankly, we have a lot of strong women and, and, and mostly women in, in leadership. Um, so I've gotten to meet you two through the industry and both through mainly accounting salon, which has been awesome. Um, tell us about the landscape around uh, where you think the industry's going and what you're seeing underground um, women in leadership in, in firms and especially in cloud firms, um, innovation, things like that. I'd love to, I'd love to hear your thoughts and, and, and what you're seeing. I think um, just in the last few years, like men and women, are like, ping, diversity <laughs> is kind of a thing. And we need to pay attention to that. And um, and I'll speak for myself personally here. Like I totally 100% buy into the whole having a diverse group of people in management and in your firm. Like the more different perspectives you mm-hmm. can have, the better decisions you're gonna make, the more inclusive you're gonna, it's just like, it's all good, super happy. But like, I personally am in this like white bread kind of world and I don't know how to attract that. Mm. And um, so I want to, but I, I I need to figure out how, but like, I'm kind of like you, um, like I, I'm also very pro woman and all of that. And our firm, there are 16 of us local and we have two guys. <laughs> and and we keep trying to but we're like please just apply like you know like but we're we're having a heck of a time like branching out beyond our our white women like horde that we've got (laughs) going on but yeah that's great and and i know Brittany, you you you've you and uh one of the ways you've really in my mind diversified is you've given access to accounting bookkeeping jobs to a probably a demographic women that traditionally can't just go into a traditional accounting office. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're, we're hundred percent remote. Yeah. Um, yeah. We do hire only in Colorado because okay. we get together on a regular basis because we really want that. We want to build the culture right? yeah. and we, yeah, yeah. That's you know. Good. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think you're probably specifically talking Michael to the fact, fact that we uh, a significant portion of our workforce is part-time, which is yeah. unique for us. And, and, and part of the reason why we do that is because of my experience spending the years as a single mom that I did. It just gave me a whole nother level of appreciation for people who are trying to balance like significant at-home responsibilities mm-hmm. with a significant responsibility and need to also provide. And also like, frankly, I'm like, it's, I'm, I'm employee number one. And what I mean by that is I want, when I started this hobby that got out of control, like I really wanted the flexibility of not having full-time responsibilities. 
And so I relate to and I empathize with the woman who is the primary um, caregiver to her family, but a capable, intelligent, mm-hmm. up and coming professional who's looking for that balance. But at the end of the day, she's still the primary provider to her family, which means at the end of the day, if the child is sick, she's the one who's going to have to be responsible for that. And, you know, we have some of our, some of our men, um, in fact, our, our odds are about like, um, Patty's, we have 45 employees and three of them are men. That's even worse than mine. Right. And, and not because we don't hire them. And it's interesting because all of the men who do work for us are gurus. And what I mean by that is, they are not the primary providers to their families. They have spouses who are the primary providers and they are the reverse of most of our employees as women, which means that they are the primary caregivers and they are trying to do meaningful, exciting things with their careers without having to stick their kids in daycare all day. And it, it has not come without it out its challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, we just hired our first time employee, our first full-time employee. And we have, we have some employees that work full-time, but they're, they're still paid hourly. We just made our first like salary benefits based full-time hire. And I about, like I had like aneurysms at night thinking it was stressing me the heck out. And we're not for my husband that was like, the numbers of this make sense. The numbers of this make sense. And everyone else around me, like Patty, Liz, and you and all the people that I know and love and respect, they're like, do it. You can do it. You can do it. The first one's the scariest. By the time you get to like the third one, you're like, I got this. Yeah. And I, and I see a lot of value in it. Like, mm-hmm. like it's nice. Like our paradigm is shifting already. Like if we have a project, we're like, well, we should have her do that because we don't yet have her at capacity. And like, it's just a different mindset. Right. It's been great. Um, I think one of the advantages that we did not foresee, um, cause I think, I think we pay a profitability, um, price for our model. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we get in return is a super high level of commitment from our employees. Mm-hmm. And we also have a very, very high caliber across the board of employees because um, we have these women and men, um, but people who are great professionally, who came out of their whatever job they were doing and they were looking for balance. Yeah. And because we give them balance, they are willing to give us their heart and soul and they're willing to give us a very high level of commitment. And because we've had to hire and train so many people, like I think in the last five years, we've hired and trained 78 different people have come through our organization. Like we are damn good at hiring and right. really good at training, you know, like we can fill that need really effectively because we've practiced more in the five years we've done it than most firms will end up doing in 10 years mm. of business because of that. And so hiring has become a major competitive advantage for us. Um, but it, you know, there's trade-offs and I, and I feel the trade-offs and I feel the pain of it. And, um, I still don't know that I would change it because I, my past gives me passion for the niche that we're filling for them. Yeah. But, um, like I would have, if we were to get acquired by somebody, I'd probably have a hard time justifying to them why we should continue doing it this way Mm -hmm. because it definitely impacts profitability. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I commend both of you. I think your, I think we're, I've always, I've said this many times, we're in this era of the world, the war for talent, you know, it's the battle for talent, the unemployment being so low. And the three of us have the privilege of, of accessing talents that most companies aren't trying to access, right? They're not looking for that talent because they're not going to make accommodations yet for remote work flexibility, um, for unique cultures or backgrounds. And we, we as, as remote firms, as cloud firms, are able to start doing that and be creative of the way we do it. And uh, one of the things I, I was, you know, I was doing an interview today with, with a candidate and uh, I was like telling the candidates that uh, I wanted to create a culture where you could be your whole self, you could bring your whole self. And since I'm literally going to be in your home virtually every day, right, us as a company is, is in your home why would we expect you to hide your family, your activities, who you are, your beliefs, your, um, you know, your, your political views, your school activities, whatever it is, your passions. Why would we expect you, that hide, you to hide that when you're literally giving us insight into your home every yeah. single day? And so I wanted a place where I, would, I could be transparent. I could be myself. I could be accepted. And then people could either take it or leave it and know that that's going to form reconciled values. 
but then they could do that as well. They are welcome to bring that as well. And that's going to represent the diversity of our entrepreneurs, right? Because our entrepreneurs, your clients that we all serve are as diverse um, and they should be as diverse as the teams that we have. And so by us having diversity on our teams, we can serve more entrepreneurs and our current clients better um, because of that background. You know, I think it's really interesting that when you're talking about just like the transparency of lives and things like that, um, when we first hire people, like, I think they don't quite believe it, you know, and then it's like, you know, oh, sorry, I can't meet from two to four because that is when I have siesta, you know, because, and it's on the calendar from two to four. Sometimes I don't take it, but some, but most of the time I do because I work really hard and I'm old and I need a break so that I can recharge so that I can keep working in the evening or whatever, which I don't encourage. I want everybody to like work normal hours and I will get back there very soon. But anyway, um, but then like, we've got, we've got, somebody who just joined our team, she's got a baby and it's like, oh, well, tell me when his nap schedule is and I will not schedule meetings during his, you know, or I'll schedule it during the nap, but I won't do it when you're trying to put him down for a nap. You know what I mean? And people start to get the hang of that. And, and I, I think it really makes for a great like place to work. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah, I told somebody. Not that I'm you know, biased, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, I volunteer. I, I, I volunteer as a pastor at my church, and I've always been involved since I, because of my, uh, the local church's history with my family coming over from Cambodia and my commitment to that, that, um, but also my own faith that I've built. And oftentimes, as 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 employees get to know me, they go, "Michael's a pastor at a church." <laughs> they'll, they're, they're just You're like a pastor at a church. Yeah, exactly. What? You're a pastor at a church. Yeah, just blows away. In all your spare time. Yeah, in all my yeah, spare no time, kidding. you know. But also because I think because they just they just are surprised that I think there are beliefs about whatever it is, whether it's I have a belief about what a Trump supporter should be like. Yeah. So and then when you meet somebody, you get to know them, you're like, wait, you're a Trump supporter? Or mm-hmm. you get to know somebody, you have a you have a belief about what somebody who's a, pa- a committed Christian or a pastor or somebody who loves and follows Jesus should be like. Right. And then you meet them, you're like, wait, you're not fitting the definition I have in my brain. And I think that's what diversity allows. If true diversity inclusion allows you to showcase that every single person is unique and their backgrounds, how they were raised, where they came from, their story, their passions mix. That mix is is so diverse that you're no one person is going to be the same person. And that's the same way with our, with our, with the clients we have right? Mm-hmm. No one client is going to be the same. You don't try to cookie cutter the client. Um, you get to know who they are. Now we're going to say, well, we have best practices on our service. This is what we do, but we're going to make sure that from a client perspective, we're going to treat you like a unique client as a unique person. Um, and we're not going to treat you like just another number or a robot. And so right. I, I think that, that we have the opportunity to instead of saying, we're only going to be one way, we're only going to have certain kinds of people at our firm and certain kinds of clients um, and only serve a, a set demographic, we have an opportunity to say, no, our, the strength we have is the diversity we have. And that's always been the strength of our country. That's always been the strength of our population around us. Mm-hmm. And why can't that be the strength of our firms and the way we service people? Right. So that's, you know. Amen. <laughs> and, and to your point, Patty, where it can be hard to get out of the, the white female because that's all that's applying. I heard a really insightful thing the other day mm-hmm. that it's not necessarily like if you can't get diversity of color or background mm-hmm. and stuff, you can strive for diversity of thought yes. and diversity of thought will allow you to accomplish the same kind of thing. This is part of the reason why we are now moving into balancing our workforce with some full-time people because it allows for diversity of thought. Like the professional needs of the full-time workforce is different than the professional needs of the part-time workforce. Mm-hmm. And if we really want to be a great place to work for, and that really was our driving force to even launching a business to begin with. Like a lot of people start businesses because they, you know, they see a huge market need for the customer or they see a huge opportunity. They believe they can build something really great. For me, I I started a business because I wanted to create a work experience. Mm. And so if that's a major priority for me, 
then I need to understand the diversity of thought of different people and the way that they're impacted by different work experiences and different work needs. So as much as it terrifies me, <laughs> like it's just time, it's just time. And actually, Michael, you're the one I think who told me, you said you, in fact, it was you that told me that <laughs> you said, you know, I think you can still keep your part-time workforce, but maybe you should diversify your workforce mm -hmm. more and, yeah. so, and, and layer in some balance with full-time people. It was you that said that. <laughs> well done, Michael. Yeah, yeah Michael's well. been great. Sometimes when I'm just like losing my shiz, Michael will be like, he'll Facebook me. He'll be like, I think you need a friend right now. Would you like to get on a phone call? And I'll be like, yes, <laughs> yes I would. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, that's, that's really, really great. Well, you know, uh, when I am, uh, uh, when I'm, I'm, high on on um excitement of, of being being with people and, and hearing from you know the lessons and the stories you guys have which I, I i think sometimes i'm like i have some stories i hear some stories you guys have i go okay no i don't have any stories i barely got <laughs> oh, stories what you guys have dealt with are pretty crazy oh man i've got some stories right <laughs> yeah. stories do we have right get us on stage i will give me a mic i will tell you my stories all day long <laughs> yeah as i'm in tears i'll have the audience crying they empathize so totally with the trauma we've been through is a <laughs> real thing i'm an introvert so i'd rather just have a couch in the corner and just right. plop down yeah. with you know i want a whole room to empathize with me that's what i want yeah. so and, it makes me feel better you know i think one of the things that even though you know mo both of you have you know like like right spot on Brittany, what you said about if cave if you can't get a bit based on the way you're you're recruiting or if you're having challenges on you can't get diversity of ethnicity or background you can get diversity of thought diversity of age, diversity of income class, diversity of socioeconomic class, but also you can expose yourself into communities where you're, you're, um, that you're not comfortable with, or you're not used to it. Right. And so, um, I think both of you have done that very well with your, your participation in the industry, the events you attend. And, um, I always like to tell the story that I, I like putting myself in really, really unique situations just because I'm nuts and I love it. But like, I, um, I, one, you know, I heard about this uh, thing called the black enterprise event and it was basically, uh, it was kind of like, um, uh, entrepreneur magazine, but for the black community. Right. And I didn't know it existed. And I was like, okay, well, so I found I was going to be in Charlotte and I I actually literally called them. I said, okay, Hey, I got a dumb question and you're going to be willing to ask dumb questions if you want to participate. And I said, uh, do I have to be black to be participate in this event? <laughs> you know, and they said no. And they said, of course not. It's open to anybody. And and so we we were basically, I was the only black vendor, a non-black vendor at this event. And wow. one of the very few non non-African American people at the event. And they loved it. And the community loved it. And they they shared about our business on the social media page. They talked about us being there. We were able to post some of our own stuff. And I had a great time. And it really uh, it really opened my eyes to what I didn't know and this, you know, the, the stories and the successes that I didn't know. And it's, it's, it started me on this journey of engaging with uh, uh, populations of people that I normally in my normal life don't engage with. And so, um, so I think, you know, you ladies have done a great job um, jumping into that. And I think encouraging you to continue to do that. Um, and, and even going out and trying to find clients from different different diverse communities and leveraging your clients network to say we'd like to serve more a more diverse population of people um how do we do that and so um so i you know i commend you ladies and i think you ladies are doing a great job and well, thank you job. michael yeah thank you and i appreciate the love that story yeah. <laughs> yeah and i appreciate the time you've taken as my career has progressed to be a friend and to reach out yeah. to me not just professionally but also personally and say notice you're losing your shiz how can i help <laughs> <laughs> I do. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Like, I don't have a lot of people who will say, I see that you're having a hard time. How can I, can I be your friend? Like, I have really appreciated that. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I think I, we both, I think we both know how long, even, you know, even though we all also have our spouses and you, yeah. you guys are actually, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate that your spouses work in the business too. I don't know. Really, but my <laughs> wife's that's my a whole nother hour show, man. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We should do an hour show. What is it like working with your spouse? Yes. I have so much to say about that. Yeah. We and, need, we need to, we need to have a, a whole show on it. We have you back on, on, on leading a firm with your spouse. Like yeah. that. You would know, be... I, I love him, but we really appreciate our time apart. 
because we work together we live together we are like 20 feet from each other yeah, all the all time, the time. Yeah. yeah so well well to to close out we have a few more minutes i want to hear i'd love for you guys to share what keeps you both grounded what keeps you both grounded as things get stressful we know our firms can, running a firm can be stressful it can be nuts people running you know having employees what keeps you both grounded, insane, and excited to keep doing what you're doing? I, I, I would love to hear that from both of you. Um, mine is kind of cheesy, but my kids, yeah, okay. um, you know, my daughter's room is just over there and she gets home from school. I will stop everything I'm doing and turn around and have like conversations with her and, and just being able to show her like what's going on. You know, we, um, I don't know if you knew this, but Scott and I spent five months in New Zealand and Australia oh, wow. last really, year. Wow. Well, actually, most mostly this year. It's been almost the anniversary of when we <laughs> left to go over there. <clears throat> and um, and we brought. She was fourteen at the time. We brought my son too, but he's in college, so he doesn't count. Um, but we brought her. She was fourteen, and just exposing her to just wow. different ways of thinking. And you know, we hooked we hooked up with like Heather Smith and Clayton Oates and like all of the zero people and everything else. It was, it was amazing. And um, like, I, I would not trade that time for anything, but just, I, I think the people, the community, my kids, like all of that, just, it, it keeps me plugged in on, on what's important, you know? That's great. How about you, Brittany? What, what keeps you grounded and keeps you so, excited, excited to keep I, going? I would say, I, I, I do love my family. Don't get me wrong. I do. But ultimately, <laughs> I am, I would say I'm mostly a God person. And it's interesting because business has been a real stretch for me. It's been really, because I started a business when I had very little professional experience. Mm. Fall back on because it was the tail end of my years as a single mom and stuff like that. And I feel like starting a business wasn't really my idea to begin with. I feel like it was like, you are supposed to do this. And I was taking action on something that I felt directly divinely prompted to do. And so when everything is hitting the fan and when I have no idea how to proceed, I'll be like, you know what? This was technically not my idea to begin with. And therefore mm. not really my job to even figure this out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, remember this whole thing, your idea, not mine. And honestly, that very act of surrender mm. gives me a lot of peace when yeah. things are not going well, when I'm, when I'm losing clients or when I can't figure out how to solve a problem. The fact that I can be like, technically, this wasn't my idea to begin with, and therefore not my job to fix it, my, just my job to receive inspiration on how to fix it has been the number one thing that has kept me from just throwing in the towel. I do love my children too. I do. Don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I get, I think maybe I use my kids as like, you know what? I am done for today. And then we yeah. go like, do something else. Yeah. And then you have a good night's sleep. You come back the next day and you're like, you know what? While I was sleeping, I solved three of the problems I was thinking of, you know? Right. Yeah. So right. sometimes just time away, we'll do that, you know? Right. That's yeah, yeah no, that's, that's great. I, I, and I, I definitely, if, if uh, anybody's friends with Facebook on you, I see that both. I can see that in your profiles, just what, what seems to ground you, your post Brittany of just your your thoughts about God or where you're at spiritually or your honest comments about stuff, which right. I love. Listen my shiz. I'm pretty yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Listen to my shiz. Right? I love that. And yes, Patty, just the pictures of the family, your travels. I think it's all very inspirational. And I could tell, I could tell like before you answered, I knew what the answer was probably gonna right. be. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna I want I want people to know about these, about this, about these you two, because because it I think it's very inspirational and also shows me that running your firms is really not about, and I think, I mean, I think we can all be honest. It's, it's really, it's like, we, we're glad we're making money. It's actually not about making the money though. Like, because right. any of us could go out and probably do something oh, else that was a lot so easier, more, make so much, probably right. make so much more money. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and have way less stress. So much. But, less. So, you know, you know, I like to tell people don't go into this kind of work, especially in services work. If your your plan and your hope is this is the most money I'll make in my life, or you're trying to maximize capital, do right. this because you're passionate about it first. And if you happen to make money on the way, that's awesome. You know, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, you have, I, yeah. all entrepreneurs on an hourly basis are the least paid people in <laughs> <Yeah>. the organization. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's great. Well, ladies, well, thank you so much. This has been this has been great. I want to I want to respect your time. We, we're up to our hour, and so I try to keep 
I try to keep my other co-hosts. Now, if my other co-hosts were here, we'd probably go for another 30 minutes because <laughs> they get so excited about every topic. But I'm going to end our time. I want to just thank you, both Brittany Brown, Patty Sharp, Brittany of Ledger Gurus, Patty of Catching Clouds, both pioneers in uh, the online accounting world, the cloud accounting world, especially in e-commerce. And I've learned a ton from. Uh, if you want to look up, look them up both on, on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, online, um, and hopefully this episode as well. And so thank you both ladies for, for jumping on with us. Thank Thanks you for having us. so much fun. Patty, always good to see you. Always so much fun. Yep. Yep. See you guys later. <laughs> Disruptor. Disruptor. Join Andrew Wall, Hector Garcia, and Michael Lee. One mission, one rule, make accounting fun. Welcome to Friday Night Live with Accountants. Are you ready? One, two, three, pause, go.